Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. There we are. We're a little better. Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. We're glad you're here to worship with us. Our Holy Father. We, uh, I just got back from youth camp, and uh, we had a really good time at youth camp. We had one uh, profession of faith and one rededication. And I, I got to admit, I've never seen more injuries at a youth camp than we've had in our group. We, had, we went through a few miles of tape and bandages. We had twisted knees and rolled ankles and stuff like that. We, we looked like a, a hobbled crew when we got, look, look at me, I came back in a wheelchair. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we had a great time at camp, and, and uh, it, was, uh, it was really good to see our kids worship and, and stuff like that. So uh, we've got a couple more coming, um, so hold on tight. But anyway, let's start our service this morning. We'll sing a song like we normally do. Let's sing Days of Elijah together. If you want to rise and sing, the words will be up on your screen. Sing along with us. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. These are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sore, so we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion till salvation comes. And these are the days of Ezekiel. The dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as wide in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, not of Zion till salvation come. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Come on. There's no God like Jehovah. Let him hear you. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, lift your voice. The year of Jubilee, and out of Zion till salvation comes. Behold, he comes, 
Riding on the clouds, shining like the sun At the trumpet's call, lift your voice It's the year of Jubilee, not a sign until salvation comes Let me start us off with a word of prayer and then we'll walk around and... Uh... Uh, say hello to everybody. I would like to remind us that there's a couple that are in, the, in a, the Methodist hospital right now, Sarah and Isaac, members of the church, and uh, we're not 100% sure what's going on, but it does sound life-threatening, so we want to lift them up in prayer right quick. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the folks that are here to hear the message. I want to thank you for Scott and his family coming to deliver it. Lord, I want to thank you for the praise team and the wonderful job and all the work they put in to make this beautiful sound to you, Lord. Father, I lift up Sarah and, uh, uh, and Isaac. Thank you all. You all all know me. Uh, that, that whatever can be done for them with our prayers and with any inter intercession that we can give them, Lord, through you, we ask for a healing. We ask for a miracle. Lord, whatever your will is will be done. And we understand that. But, Lord, we, we want them to know and we want you to know that we're praying for them. Lord, uh, bless this meeting today. Bless these people. And uh, I do ask for a special ble blessing for Frank Pomeroy today as, as he's up delivering a message in a, in a, in a, a three-day revival. So we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can walk around and say hi. There you go. One, two, three, four. Try again. One, two, three, four. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock and it will stand. There's no power on this earth that can stand against God's word. Build your house on the rock and it will stand. Jesus spoke of a foolish man who built his house upon the sand when the storms of life passed through his town. That old house came crashing down, but he also spoke of a wise man who built his house on the solid truth, deeply anchored in the rocky berm. When the rains came, his house stood firm. Build your house on the rock, build your house on the rock, build your house on the rock and it will stand there's no power on this earth that can stand against god's word build your house on the rock and it will stand be a tour of the word you'll be blessed in your faith you can take your rest if you only choose to hear you ain't never gonna go nowhere and as for me me and mine we're gonna walk that narrow line there'll be no deceiving we'll be receiving god's bed build your house on the rock build your house on the rock build your house 
on the rock and it will stand. There's no power on this earth that can stand against God's word. Build your house on the rock and it will stand. As you take your seats, come on and join us. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock and it will stand. There's no power on this earth that can stand against God's word. Build your house on the rock and it will stand. Again, thank you all for being here today. Y'all can have a seat. So I'm sure we have some people on vacation and sleeping late. You didn't read my Facebook post, obviously. So I want y'all to know I talked to Frank and it was real important for him on Thursday that he was gonna make a video. And I would love to entertain you with this video. But Morgan back there this morning said, I guess he forgot. But I do want you to understand something. It really hurt his feelings that he'd made a promise on Father's Day. He just did not realize it when he put it in his calendar that he was going to go uh, preach this, uh, this revival because he'd much rather be here on Father's Day with his own family and with his uh, uh, Christ family here. So if you look in your... He didn't ask me to read this, but I think it's, it's worth reading. If you look on the back of the uh, bulletin, uh, from the pastor, it says, A salute to fathers. Today, Almighty God, as we observe Father's Day, I lift up all the fathers of this world up to you with adoration and love. Fathers play an in in integral role in the lives of our children as mentors, providers, caregivers, and so much more, and also provide a firm foundation on which our children stand. Thank you, Jehovah Jireh, for your provision and for the showering them with your divine blessings. I pray that you would consecrate fathers and set them apart for your purpose. All of us fathers in here, I just want you all to know, and I know this is from Frank's heart also, we have such an important job. There, there, there is nothing more important than being a father and help leading your son or daughter to the Word of God, okay? So that is one of our main jobs, to live as Christ has asked us to live and let those young ones as they grow up and continue to grow, and we grow in our wisdom and years to, to see what the body of Christ looks like in their father. So I, I ask y'all to continue to be those kinds of fathers. Uh, anybody knows, knows I have a real memory problem, so when someone tells me something, they better remind me. So Chris has got some envelopes up here. We need 12, 12 youth camp scholarships. All right, 12 of them. They're $200 a piece. Nobody's asked you to come up here and give $2,400. Though if the Lord leads you to do it, that'd be great. But in either case, whatever you might have led on your heart by the Lord to help contribute to youth camp, it would be wonderful if we could do that. Is that cool? Okay. Julie, was that the same message? You want to say what you got? Uh, next week, we are taking our kids to GA, acting camp, and RA camp. I have applications if you have not received yours or if you have somebody who would like to join us and go. The girls will be leaving with me Sunday after church, and the boys, and this is subject to change, will be leaving Monday morning. 
to meet us up at Alto Frio. Uh, I don't know if y'all realize, but RA and GA camps are, we are a big intricate part of putting that together. Um, uh, I am on staff for the GAs. Chris, Frank are on staff. Is there other ones? Um, Morgan are on staff for the RA camp. So we would like to have a good turnout. We've got lots of kids signed up, um, and it's a great experience for, um, for the kids. So get with me. If you've got somebody who you would like to send and go with us, I've got the applications up front. Amen. One last announcement. Vacation Bible School was a tremendous success. And uh, yes, give us a hand about that. Any of you ladies and men that were a part of that, what a blessing it was. I, I was just a very, very small part of it, and I loved it. I've never even been to one, and I made every morning meeting to watch these, watch that lady right there, Miss Kobe, and Miss Martinez, which she's not here today. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching them work so hard. So, enough announcements? Oh, no, before we do that, we have a scripture reading. This is Ian. Everybody say hi to Ian. Well, happy Father's Day, everyone. So what is, if you'll indulge me, I want to take a special, just a moment, and say thank you, Michelle, for making me a daddy. Love you. He's up there. Awesome. All right. So, on the occasion of Father's Day, and I've been praying about it this week, and I just wanted to go through some, some quick scripture and remind us all just kind of what it means to be a father. You know, it's a, it's, it's a privileged role. It comes with a lot of responsibility. And um, without Christ, we can certainly do nothing. So, anyways, Lord help me. So, here it goes. Um, I want to start in Joshua 1, verses 6 through 7. And the Pentateuch is just closed and Moses has gone to be with the Lord, and the next step of redemptions of, of the redemption history of the Old Testament is about to commence. And Joshua, having proved himself and was Moses' understudy, is about ready to um, take over, but it's not going to be in his might, and the Lord has got a message for him. And he says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. It's almost like you had to tell him twice there. Um, being careful to do according to all that the Lord, uh, sorry, to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from them to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So we are commanded as men to stand strong. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but um, with the Lord's help, if we know that we are in the right place and that the Lord's called us to, to, to do something, well, guess what? Pull up your bootstraps sometimes. Um, secondly, we are called to teach our children. It's not, it's not to be laissez-faire. This, this, this is not anything goes. Um, God's word is truth, and, and we are commanded to, um, to teach from that. So I want to um, look in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently, not sometimes, diligently, to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house 
and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Gentlemen, we, we have an incredible job to do. And um, it's, gonna, it's, it's, it's a fight sometimes. And in the book of Ephesians, you know, Paul describes you know, the, 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 the whole armor of God. And I'm not going to read that whole passage, but there's some stuff in here that I think is, is pertinent to just what it's going to take with absolutely prayer and getting before God's face on a regular basis, being a big part of being equipped to fill that role. So I want to read um, Ephesians 6, 11, 12, and 18. Um, it says, So put on the whole armor of God, that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Amen. And um, what's, what's my last point here? Oh, love. Okay, so we're not supposed to be a, we're, we're, we're supposed to be strong, but man, God in his infinite power, you know, the creative power, my God, his, his, his love, his love and compassion for us, we really need to understand what that is because he has called us to be his, his image bearers. Um, so, here we go. In John 15, um, verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. And just remember, it says, As the Father loved me. That's, that's the image that we're going for, you know, walking, you know, walking with him. And obviously in John 15, it's also the chapter that we know a lot of for I am the vine. You know, once again, we can't do that without tapping into his power. And Psalms 103.13 says, As the Father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows um, compassion on those who fear him. You know, it's all too cliche, you know, girls or boys with, with their daddy issues. I mean, because we've, we, we, we've all fallen short, but as we continue to walk the path to be the men of God that God calls us to be, he calls us to look to him um, so that we can, for posterity, you know, just play our roles. Um, and I, I want to close, you know, so Joshua was an amazing, um, amazing book. You know, we started out there in Joshua chapter 1 where they're about to go in and take the promised land. Well, come the end of the book, Joshua's about to wrap up and he's called his, you know, um, you know leaders, leaders to be who he, he's about to turn the role over to. And they actually have essentially like a time of remembrance and all, all the people go out and, and, and he shares with them, okay, this, this, this has been, been quite a journey. You know, and as you go forward, you've got choices every day. It says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, well, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the regions beyond the river or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May, 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 may that be on our hearts to truly as servant leaders walking in God's spirit, each and every day seeking forgiveness and renewal 
um, lead our families so that we, it's, it's not just trite, but we can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I just want to close this in prayer. And, you know, um, I, was, I was thinking more about this as I drove in. I was reminded of that old hymn by um, C. Maud Battersby, but specifically the one um, line that says, If I have been perverse or hard or cold, if I have longed for shelter in the fold, when thou hast given me some fort to hold, dear Lord, forgive. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for the privilege and for making us in your image for calling us to be your image bearers, for um, us men, for making us fathers. May we truly be men of strength, walking in your spirit and your power, leading our families, not in the flesh, but truly in the spirit. Please continue to teach us, to guide us, and use us to where you said, you know, whom shall I send and who will go for us as it relates to our own family, that we will boldly say and mean it and walk in it, Lord, send me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to continue our service in song this morning. So if you want to stand and sing with us, we're going to sing I Love to Tell the Story. One, two, three, four. I love to tell the story of unseen things above. Of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love, I love to tell the story, because I know it's true. It satisfies my longings, as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story will be my theme in glory to tell the old old story of jesus and his love i love to tell the story is pleasant to repeat what seems each time i tell it more wonderfully sweet I love to tell the story For some have never heard The message of salvation From God's own holy word I love to tell the story Will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song Will be the old, old story That I have loved so long I love to tell the story Will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love 
to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen. Man, you guys are quiet this morning. It's so, it's so weird coming back from, from youth camp where the kids are bouncing off the walls and yelling for no reason at all and then quiet. Anyway, this is uh, Give Us Clean Hands. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees, oh Spirit come make us humble, we turn our eyes from evil things, oh Lord we cast down our idols, so give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees, O Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things, O Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not Lift our souls to another. Oh, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And oh, God, let this be a generation that sees. Who seeks your face. Oh, God of Jacob. And oh God, let this be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees, oh Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And oh God, let this be a generation that sees, who seeks your face. 
Oh, God of Jacob, and oh, God, let this be a generation that sees, who seeks your face. Oh, God of Jacob, and oh, God, let this be a generation that sees, who seeks your face. Oh, God of Jacob, and oh, God, let this be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good, good, oh, you are good. Good. Oh, sing that again. You are good. Good. Oh, you are good. Good. Oh, let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my song. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh. Good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me, do you believe that church? You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. Let them hear you. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good. You're good. Oh. 
Thank you. Please be seated. We have a blessing today. We have another Pomeroy in the house. We have Frank's brother, Scott. So if you would, Scott Pomeroy. Amen. Good to see everybody this morning. Give me just a second. My uh, computer shut off on me. But I, I really love what Ian said this morning as we're getting started, uh, that men, we have a big responsibility as fathers, and it's one that is not to be taken lightly in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and in saying that, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. And you'll see this on the board this morning. And if you'll start turning to Genesis 22, that's where we're going to be hanging out this morning. But I want to say thank you to the praise team. Amen. Let's give them another little bit because I can tell you, I can tell you what you don't realize. Uh, and as a pastor, I can share this with you. And I'm sure that you guys, most of you probably already know this, how blessed that you are to have a worship team that is willing to unceasingly and tirelessly dedicate their time to make sure that you are at the foot of the cross this morning. Amen. So it's very important when you see them to encourage them, to be praying for them, and to let them know how much you appreciate, not to glorify them, but how much they glorify the Lord, amen, and bringing you to the foot of the cross. So it's good to see you this morning. It's good to be back with a lot of people that I know, uh, a lot of people that I love, and I'm sorry that we were not able to be here for the dedication because as some of you know, I'm a senior pastor of a church as well, and, and uh, sometimes it's just the way God does things, but it's so good to be here this morning. And to be able to share some things off of my heart with you this morning. Uh, and some of y'all that do know me know that I am the good-looking Pomeroy. And I've said that to a few of you this morning. And since he's not here, he can't debate that. Amen. No, I'm very blessed for Frank to be my brother. I have told him many times, not just because he's my brother. But you guys are very blessed. And I'm very blessed because he's a great shade tree to sit up under and pick fruit from. Amen. So you guys are very fortunate to have him as your pastor. But never forget, it's not about a man. It's about the man. Amen. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we get started this morning, join with me again as another little bit of prayer, because I think it's important as we open God's word, we do so. Amen. Father God, Lord, we are just so humbled by your presence this morning. We pray that we that you know that you are welcome here. Father God, as I see you moving through this place and moving through the worship this morning, uh, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here with these folks, Father. Lord, I pray selfishly for my church just for a moment, for the Teen Challenge folks that will be there. I pray that you bless them in an amazing way this morning, Lord, that everything runs smoothly, Father, and that you would be glorified as I know that you will. Father, I just pray that you can continue to take over this service, continue to penetrate the hearts and minds of those that are here, Father God, and let the only truth that we can find today, your word, penetrate our hearts and minds as well, Father God. In your precious name I pray, amen. So men, how many construction workers or some form of a construction worker do we have in this room? Okay, so for all you other men, thank you, Jesus, for you as well, but I hope you brought your steel toes this morning. Amen, because we're going to get into some meat today, and we're going to see what it looks like to be a godly father and an obedient man and a wonderful son, right, or daughter. In this case, it was a son. We'll see that in Genesis 22. Um, but I want to make sure uh, that we are important, that we know our role. And real quickly, too, I want to tell you, you guys are also blessed to have a wonderful group of youth leaders and youth. I was able to be their liaison. I'm on the executive board at Highland Lakes. And it was very great to have your church out there last week. And I think they all had a great time. As Chris said, I think they were pinballs a lot because a lot of them got hurt. 
um, but a lot of them had a great time. And uh, Chris is a blessing. Katie's a blessing. Uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Mr. Ed and Jenny, the leaders that went. Man, you guys are blessed to have them in whatever role they feel here. They did a great job last week. Uh, and your kids, your kids were awesome to hang around and had a really good time with them as well. But in saying that, we learned a lot about what it looks like to know God, to be, and to love. And so in this lost and dying world that we're in today, and so it's kind of today's message is going to continue on where we left off. So if you wasn't there, you're going to have a mini camp experience. You just don't know it yet. Amen. Because we're going to continue on off of that. And that pastor and that speaker and that evangelist had no idea what I was preaching this week. But it's amazing how he touched on some of those things. And just like uh, when David come up and read what Frank wrote, Frank had no idea part of what was in that message or what he wrote to you guys is something I'm going to bring to you guys today. So what I'm trying to tell you is you're in the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. And that that affirmation is a great thing and it shows us that we're being obedient to what God has called each one of us to do. And so we're going to have a continuance on of, of what last week's experience was, uh, but we're going to dive right in this morning. So there was a preacher that got up one Saturday morning, and he left his home, and then his son got up and said, Hey, Mom, where's Dad at this morning? Sat down to eat his cereal. Mom said he went to go donate blood. The young man sat there for a minute, and he said, Well, he realizes that's just grape juice, right? Those are the church people will catch that in just a minute. It'll sink in. And she said, Well, no, not necessarily. But thank you, Jesus, that he did donate his blood for us. Amen. And so that may be a tad bit funny and just a little bit humorous. And Emily told me, my adopted daughter here, my wonderful, beautiful girl in the front row, she told me yesterday, Dad, you got some real dad jokes. <laughs> That's almost the best thing a father could hear on Father's Day, right? Or the day before. Man, you got some real bad dad jokes. And I do, and I do have, I do have those from time to time. But thank you, Jesus, that he donated his blood so we could be here today to donate ours for our children, men hear that this morning because that's what we're called to be sacrifices for our family we're called to be diligent workers for our family everything that ian told you this morning is exactly what i'm going to reiterate and drive home today and so thank you ian thank you for god you listening to god and working in your life this morning as well but as we're here this morning i'm truly honored and blessed to be here on father's day to recognize what the holy spirit led me to in our text this morning uh, and, and also to make sure that you understand as men your responsibility and role because guess what the world is removing that responsibility and role at an ever-alarming rate. The demasculinization of what our society is today is sickening to me, right? And, and I'm not going to go into what all those things are, but the men in this room already know, amen? And the godly men in this room truly know what all is happening in our society to make our young men not truly fully understand what it looks like to be a man anymore. Men of the church, it's your job for your communities to be their fathers as well. Hear me. We need to rise up and find these young men in our communities and be mentors to them, to be helpers to them, to come alongside of them, to let your young men and women that you're raising in your home to be the witness example for them. Amen? So they know that there's something to be different, something to long for, to have that love and joy and peace and all the other of the godly things that we're supposed to have to betray upon them so they can go and share that with their friends. And as my friend in the back will change the slide for me, where we're going to start at this morning. So if you haven't turned to Genesis 22, I'd encourage you to do so this morning. As I said, that's where we're going to be hanging out. And so I want to read these scriptures as we go along, and then we're going to come back and, and uh, take them apart a little bit. But in Genesis 22, we're going to look at really two men. There's others involved, but two men, and I say men because Isaac in this situation we're going to talk about in a little bit, was not a little boy. It has never been seen to be a little boy, and I tell you, I studied this for years before I realized that Isaac was a man. He was a young man, but he was a man. And so when we read this story, 
Think about the perspective of that as we see what Abraham's role was, how Isaac submitted and Abraham uh, humbled himself to the Lord. Verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 1 in Genesis. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, God tested Abraham. I want to make sure you understand that. And then it said to him, Abraham, he said, I, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering uh, on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning. Did you see where it said he disobeyed? No, he said he got up early the next morning immediately and, uh, and saddled his donkey and took him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, and he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they had arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there, and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw the ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in this place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide, Jehovah-Jireh. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but that's what Frank put in his writing. The one that will provide, amen? And the Lord will provide. So it's, today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the, gate, the city gates of their enemies. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men and they got up, went together to Beersheba, and Abraham settled in Beersheba. Now, our text this morning begins in verse 1 with what? God tested Abraham. That's a very important statement that I need to make sure that you understand and that you listen to. Now, how many of you know that there's a difference between temptation and testing? Amen? There is a huge difference, especially when it comes to God and God's Word and what it says about it. This in no way was a temptation. Rather, God examined Abraham's heart just as He does with us and truly the only one who knows what's in our heart. Psalms 37, 4, in one of my favorite scriptures, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That does not mean you're going to be driving a new Ferrari. That does not mean you're going to have a big house in the Dominion hanging out with the Spurs. What it means is, is guess what? Let's take that apart for a second. When you delight yourself in the Lord, everything that you do involves Him. Amen? 
And then when that happens, guess what the desire is going to be of your heart? Him and Him alone. Men, hear me. When you delight yourself in the Lord, your children will act the way that you think they're supposed to act. Because guess what? They're going to have an example just as Isaac did right here in Scripture. And we're going to get into that in just a few minutes. But when you delight yourself in the Lord, because He knows our heart just like He knew Abraham's heart here, your, your children will be all that you expect and want for them to be because they'll be all that God wants them to be because you're being that example for them and you're leading them that way. Is that 100%? I can tell you what God's Word says. Each individual is different. Amen? But He will give you the desires of your heart. God oftentimes will test our faith so that it can grow and so that we don't have any false illusions of where we're at in our walk with the Lord. Amen? I think it's very important for us to understand that. So as she changes the slide for us, two slides please, to the next one, we're going to talk about 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. If you're taking notes, write that down. Or if you want to follow along, that's great as well. But it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when His glory is revealed. Man, that's deep. There's a lot of meat right there. We could preach on that the rest of the morning and not get it all through. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory and of the God rests on you. Now, the next slide would be James chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 4. That's a lot like that. It says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. Again, talking about being tested. Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Men, hear me. Fathers, hear me. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You want to know why, and I can say this because you can't fire me, why men are letting happen what's happening? Godly men are not rising up and being the godly men that they are called to be what Scripture says. Amen? Can I be bold enough to say that to you this morning? We need to get up, man. We need to rise up. God's calling up this nation and this army to be the next generation's lead. Amen? This generation's lead. I see it so many times. I was a youth pastor for many years before God called me to the role that I'm in now. And, and I hear churches say, well, the youth are next generation. No, negative. If your young children are not this generation's church, then you're not a church. Hear me. Because guess what? Without them being in this church today, there will not be a church of tomorrow. Amen? And without men, godly men, standing up to raise up those men and women, what kind of church would you have anyways? Hear me. Very important for us to understand that, man. We play a very specific role in our nation when it comes to godly things. Very specific role in our homes. Very specific role in our schools. You may say, well, Pastor Scott, you don't understand. I just have this little job that I do and that's it. No, negative. God's word says that you're more than that. God says that you're the head, not the tail. Stop being the tail, rise up and be the head. You're the head of your house, amen? And that's what God calls us to be, amen? So you might want to say, you know, one thing that really stands out to me here is God calls out to Abraham and immediately responds without delay, I'm here, Father. I'm here. Did y'all hear that? He said that twice as God called his name. What does that tell us and why is that so important? Because it shows that he was actually listening. Men, hear me. He was actually listening at a moment's notice. He heard God's voice. He didn't have a million distractions in his life. He had made sure that his number one priority was to hear from the Father. Even the hardest of things, he was willing to hear from his Father. Even the most difficult of decisions, he was willing to hear from his Father. 
Because even after the first time, most of us men would have said, well, <laughs> I'm not going to listen to that dude no more. He's wanting me to kill my son. But no, we see where he calls out to Abraham again. He says, I'm here, Lord. I'm here. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I'm here. I want to be obedient. I want to walk it out. What does that look like? Tell me, Lord, because I know you're going to be with me. Help me, lead me, guide me. Amen? And just as the Father is asking that of us, the children of our nation and the children of our communities are asking that of us as well. Amen? Hear me. I'm here. Let me help. How can I guide you? As my brother David said, and I follow you guys all the time, and I followed you all through VBS, man, that was so awesome. It was so great to see the outpouring of support, the love, the amount of children that y'all had and workers. Thank you, Jesus, for anybody that came and served. We're fixing to have our VBS next month. And I know how hard it is to get workers, but to get workers that love it is even harder. So thank you, Jesus, for you guys that came out and were a part of that. But look at verse 2 in Genesis 22 with me real quick. This is one of the hardest scriptures for me in scripture. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Wow, man. As I'm blessed to have my son with me this morning, every time I read this scripture, I almost cry. Because I see the heart of Abraham, and I see his dedication, and I don't know if I could have done that. If I'd just be real with you just for a minute. To just be obedient like this. Wow, how awesome is that, right? Man, think about that. That's what obedience to the Lord looks like. That's what no doubt, have faith looks like. Amen? That's what commitment and humility in a suffering servant looks like. That's the other thing the speaker talked about this week was being a suffering servant. And I preach that so much because I think the two things that Jesus preached the most was humility and servanthood. And if we look around our nation, I think those are the two things that are missing the most, especially in our churches and our communities, is being humble and serving those around us. No matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like, no matter how, what, how much money they have or don't have, but to humbly serve as he calls us to. We see the same phrasing in three different times in these scriptures in verse 12, verse 2, and verse 16. It states, your only son whom you love. Think about that, parents. Whether you're male or female, think about that just for a minute. Your only son whom you love. This shows that God knows Abraham's heart and how much he loves his son. Because he says it right there in scripture. Do you not think that you're not the same as Abraham? God loves you and knows your heart just like he did Abraham. And just like I said in Psalms 37, 4, what are the desires of your heart? Because he already knows. He's the one that sees past the ties, the shirts, the dresses, the, the masks, the facades. He sees everything. What are your desires? Now, I'm speaking specifically to men this morning, but that's for all of us. What are your desires? What are your desires for your children? Amen? As the blessing you've been given, as my brother said, to be a father. Man, that's the biggest gift that I've ever been given outside of my salvation and my marriage. Is to be a father. Ministry, as much as I love it, that's way below my family. Because, guys, guess what? It's got to be God first. It's got to be your wife second. It's got to be your family third, and then everything else. And then, guess what? Somewhere down there is you. Amen? I tell everybody all the time I'm number four. God first, my family second, the world third, and then me. However I can serve in that and be in that order, I believe that's what I see Scripture tells me my role and my position to be. But it states, your only son, whom you love. This shows that God knows Abraham's heart. That's what's so important, men, is that when you're struggling and it's hard, as my brother said, being a father is not the most easiest thing that I've ever done in my life. 
It's actually one of the most difficult things I've ever done, and I'm still learning and growing every single day. Because I believe when we sit on the couch and do this all day and do nothing to grow in that, and do nothing to learn in that, do nothing to pour into our children's lives, that's all you are. That's not a father. Amen? A father loves his children. A father does not provoke his children. A father spends time with his children. Again, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm giving you scripture. I'm trying to tell you what God's word talks about here. And today we might have to be a little more blunt. He, you know, he says here, Abraham. And he says, I'm here, Father. And he tells him, and he says again, I'm here. But today I think he might have to be a little more blunt in our society and say, you know, take your son, the one that's an inconvenience to you. Think about that just for a minute. Take your son that you don't make any time for. Take your son that has never heard you as I have never heard my daddy tell me one time that he loved me. Never seen my daddy give me a hug one time. I've done everything I can to, to turn that around to make sure my kids don't look that way. Amen? And I encourage each one of you men to do the same this morning. Because it means something. It means everything how your children perceive you. You want to see the, the look of a good father? Look at his children. Am I perfect? By no means. I fail every single day. But I love my children. And I'm encouraging you to do so. Because the first thing you can do to love your children is to lead them in a godly way. To love them in a godly way. To show them what it looks like to have scriptural love, to show them what it looks like to have the love that Abraham had here for his son Isaac, that he was willing to obey his father even to the point of what God called him to do. But we see here that Abraham is a good father. He is a loving father, and God tells him to take his only son Isaac and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up as a sacrifice. And not just a sacrifice, a burnt sacrifice. Think about how deep that goes to not just to have had a sacrifice, but the level that it was willing to go to. And men, if you're Abraham, you're probably thinking, this is nuts. And so think about how Abraham must have felt, not only just that night, but he had three days to dwell on this before he came to the location. And then he had to walk and ride this thing for that three days. He rode side by side with what Scripture says is the one that he loves, his son. His only son, his only son, he rode three days beside him. Think about all the things and the mixed emotions that had to have been going through his mind. And then think about, he didn't have the luxury we do today of what the rest of Scripture says. He didn't have the rest of the story. He just humbly obeyed. He didn't have all of Scripture where it says that he could raise Lazarus from the dead. He didn't have none of that. All he knew is that he needed to be obedient. All he knew is that he needed to walk it out. All he knew is he had to say yes because God called him to. Men, are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to say yes when God calls you to do something, even as though it must be, must be maybe the most difficult thing you ever have to do in your life. I mean, he's upwards of 100 years old at this point. Think about that. Abraham is upwards of 100 years old. He waited roughly 80 to 85 years, depending on how old Isaac is at this moment. He's waited that long to have a son. His only son. And then at a moment's notice, he answers when God calls, this is what I want you to do. How many of us in here would be willing to do that? But I'll take it one even a little bit easier for you maybe. Look in Luke 18. Think about Luke 18. Take notes if you want to go back and study that. Luke 18 where it says to the rich young ruler, guess what? Go give up everything and come back. I'm not asking you to sacrifice your son. I'm just telling you to get rid of your riches. Hmm. Where's our wealth at today? Where's your heart's desire? Could you even do that? Could you even be willing to walk away from everything when God called you to? Take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor. Would you be willing to do that if that's what God calls you today? Could you lay everything off? God tells Abraham this, and Abraham thinks on it throughout the night, 
And then in verse 3, it says that they left early in the morning to go to the place where Isaac would be sacrificed. Why is that so important? Why is that so important, Pastor? Because it didn't say he lollygagged around. It didn't say he went and gossiped and talked to a million people about it. No, he got up and did what God told him to do. He got his men together. He got his supplies together. He got his son. And he said, let's go, boy. We're going to do what God called us to do. Amen? No questions. Just did it. And we see that usually in scriptures, it doesn't get into the realm of emotion and thought. It gets into the realm of action. Because that's what God is worried about is our actions. Not what's running around in our minds. Not what we think we should or shouldn't do. He's worried about our actions. He's worried about our hearts being where he wants it to be. If she'll change the slide for us, this is a very important quote, I believe. Faith isn't what a person says or even so much what they think. It's what they do. Amen? Because you can run this all day, all day long. We can talk sweet music, come sing great songs, all those wonderful things. Punch your little time card, set it back in the slot and walk out and, and be totally the same you were as you, when you came in here today. Or you can change, t- uh, tell God you're going to have a radical change in your life and that when He calls, you're going to do what He calls you to do. Men, women, that's for us both. Children, that's for you too. But men especially. Are you going to leave differently than when you came in here this morning? Or are you going to still just keep coming in and punching a time card? Because it's not just about what we say or even so much what we think. It's about what we actually put boots to ground in action in our children's lives. Boots to ground in action what we do in our communities. Boots to ground in action at your job site when you're sharing with those men and women that God has given you as your pool of witnesses to talk to. That's also the measure, I believe, of what true character looks like too. God's word tells us is that whatever comes out of your mouth eventually will be who you are. Amen? And so let it be what comes out of our mouth, godly things, scriptural things, so when we walk it out, we look like we're supposed to look. Amen? So we have a true character for our children to follow. A true character for young men to become full men for their families. For three days, father and son were riding side by side going to Moriah. I just know as a father that had to be tearing Abraham up every time he thought about what was going to have to take place. And they finally get to the place and Isaac carries the wood up to the mountain as they are getting, uh, getting up there. Isaac says, I've got the knife in the fire. I've got the wood. But where is the lamb. And so I want you to focus on what Abraham's amazing faith was in verse 5. In verse 5 of Genesis 22, it says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we'll come back to you. So Abraham had no doubt when he said, They, that we will come back to you. Hear me. Abraham knew right off who God he served. Right? He was fully confident in knowing that he had faith that God was going to take care of him and his boy. And that's why he told him that God will provide the sacrifice. He faithfully, wonderfully, he didn't lie to his son when he said that. He knew the God that he served. Amen? What God do you serve? Do you have the faith to know that he is going to be there no matter what? This church is a foundation of that. Amen? Amen. Give him a round of applause. Give God a hand clap for that. Because that's truth. That's what it's all about. In verse 8 it says, And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked together. This was also to display what I believe, that God himself would provide the perfect lamb. And we know now, Abraham had no idea that Jesus would be sacrificed as the perfect lamb for us. Amen? Turn with me. If they'll change the slide for us. Turn with me to Hebrews eleven, seventeen through 19. And I'm going to read it. But if you want to take notes, Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 through 19, this is how we see again 
going back to Abraham, it says, By faith, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, Your offspring will be traced through Isaac. Listen to this. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. That's true faith. No matter what he had chosen, he had chosen to be faithful. Again, he didn't know about Lazarus. Amen? But tell me the Old Testament isn't worthy. I see so many New Testament Baptist preachers today saying, well, we're only going to stay in the New Testament. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that we have Abraham. Thank you, Jesus, that we have Genesis. Because guess what? When you start cutting the Old Testament out, the New Testament ain't nothing. Amen? It backs each other up. I had a teacher one time here in Floresville that ended up being asked to leave not too long after this. And I brought it up to the superintendent one time because I had two students come to me and tell me, this teacher so-and-so says that, Ab- Abra- uh, that Adam had two wives. Okay. I said, the problem with that is, is that when Genesis 1 becomes a lie, what does that make Revelation 22? A lie. There is no lies in here. It's the infallible truth of God. It's the inherent truth of God. And we have to believe every part of it. And when we start dicing it up, it changes. Amen? We've got to be able to stick to Scripture because it's there for us because it's the only truth. There's no other book at Barnes & Noble, at the best library in New York, Washington, wherever it may be, that has any more truth than this right here. It's the only thing that will never lie, never leave, nor forsake you. Amen? So from time to time, I believe that God gave the command to, to, to Abraham here. Uh, and by the time they had arrived at Mount Moriah, Abraham had remembered God's promises that he was going to be the father of many nations. So when he walked up there, he knew that he was going to be the father, that Isaac would be the father, and he would be the father of many nations coming through his seed. Abraham believed God. Do you? That's the question I would have for you this morning. Because guess what? Maybe you just don't know how many promises are for you in this scripture. This book is not for you. This is for us to learn more about God. But it can speak to you in so many ways. Each scripture read over and over and over again. This is a living document. Just like look to your left and look to your right real quick for me. Everybody do that for me. It's alive and well more than anything that's sitting in this room. And it never dies. It never loses breath. It never loses heart. And it can penetrate the coldest of places and the hardest of hearts. Amen? No other book that you can get off of Oprah's book club is going to do that, guys. I'm just here to tell you. Amen? Only God's word has that kind of power. Abraham, believe God's promises. Do you? And speak those promises over your children. Speak those promises over your wife's men. Speak those promises over your church and your community. Because that's when we see change. You know how I know that? Because that's what happened in God's Word. The same thing. Look at Nehemiah. Look at Jeremiah. There's so many in here that I could go on and on about that prayed and walked and sung and did everything that God called them to do. And they were blessed for it. Their communities were blessed for it. Their homes were blessed for it. Abraham knew that even if God had to raise Isaac from the dead, God would keep his word. Because that's the God that he served. Amen? Do we believe that today? But here's a quick Bible lesson, as I shared a little bit with you earlier. Abraham was well over 100 years old, and from what scholars would say, Isaac would have been between 15 and 30 years old. Think about that just for a minute. Think about that just for a minute. So think about being 100 years old. I'm 46 and can't get up half the mornings because my knees are breaking from playing too much football and working in the steel industry for a long time. Think about that being 100 years old with no air condition, no beautiful seats, having to really do life. Abraham had to do life. He had to walk everywhere. 
corns on his feet were probably... Anyways, moving on. But, I mean, he had to do life for 100 years. Not what we call life. I mean, life. And here's Isaac, 15 to 30 years old, somewhere in between there is what they would say, depending on who you ask. He was doing life too. I'm sure he was a big, strapping young man. Probably very healthy. They didn't have all the garbage to eat that we do today that I really enjoy. But think about that just for a minute. At any moment, he could have overpowered his dad. You're going to do what? You're going to strap me to what? You're going to put what on me? And you're going to do what? Nah, negative. That ain't going to happen, Dad. I'm sorry. I love you. I know you love the Lord. I love the Lord. But not here. Not today. We're going to stop loving the Lord just right here on this line. Laugh, but how many times has it happened in your home? Hear me. I'm not here to make friends. Guys, I love you, and I want to love you. But I want to make sure you understand what God's Word says, too. Amen? How many times do we draw that line and we get right to the edge of it and say, No, God, that's a little too much. Sorry, I can't do it. You want me to go two Sundays a month? Nah. Three Sundays? Man, that's unheard of. Do you know the standard for an actual member of a church is two Sundays a month is average attendance in the Baptist Association? That's sad, guys. That's sad. It really is. It breaks my heart. And I'm not trying to throw anything at you. I'm just telling you what statistics would show that you could look up pretty much anywhere. But see, we also see humbly and obediently submits to his father's will. Isaac says, okay, Dad. If you're leading by the Lord, I'm following you because you're under the God's leadership. I'm going to follow what you tell me to do. So if you tell me to climb on this altar, I'm going to climb on this altar. And Lord, if you're telling me that God's saying that you're supposed to put this wood on top of me, okay, Father, I'm going to lay here and I'm going to let you put this wood on me. Even to the point of, what does it say? He had the knife raised. God, I, you know, Father, I don't understand. Abraham, I don't understand, but I, I want to follow you because you're following him. And so I want to obediently do what you want me to do because you're obediently doing what he wants you to do. My brother Ian had no idea that I was going to be preaching on this today, but I think he spoke more truth than I could standing up here for an hour. Everything he told you this morning. When we have to be the men that our children look to, to lead them. And we have to be the men of faith, the men of God's word. And I love that he used so many different scriptures throughout scripture to show you that it's from beginning to end. It's not just somewhere in the middle. It's not just in Ephesians 6, and it's not just in Psalms, and it's not just here, Joshua. That it's throughout, that we must be willing to be throughout. He trusts his dad. Isaac trusts his dad. And that had to make it so much harder on Abraham. Think about Abraham again for just a minute. How much harder it had to be to know that his son was willing to be there because he asked him to. Men, your, your children will do anything you ask them to do because they want to be just like you. Women, mothers in this room... Your children will want to do anything that you ask them to do because they want to be just like you. They may be disobedient. They may be disrespectful. But guess what? They're looking to you to lead them. And it's a phase. It's not who they are. I struggle. We struggle with that in our home. But I love her every day more and more and more. Perfect by no means. But blessed. Amen? Because and I'm trying to, and we're trying to do everything we can to lead her to see who he is. Not who we are. To see who he is. And so Abraham has his son laying on the altar, and he has the knife raised. But he's got faith. He knows what God had told him. In a very important to remember moment here, Abraham doesn't have the New Testament again, about resurrection even. He just knows that God said he's going to provide. And God provides the offering. Abraham was exactly right when he said God will provide for himself a lamb. If you look at the scripture, part of it says lamb. Then it says ram. Think about that just for a minute. God provided the ram and the lamb. Amen? He provided the ram instead of Isaac, but he provided the lamb many years later. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? 
But think about that being said in Genesis, not in Matthew. How much more important is that? Amen? That gives us hope to know that we're going to get from Genesis to Matthew. Amen? Again, how do we live without all the Scripture? How do we live with just part of the Scripture? We were so blessed that He came to sacrifice, as I started with, and gave His blood to die on a cross freely for us. And in Abraham and Isaac's case, the ram was sacrificed instead of the son. In the same way, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, goes as our substitute, just like He did for Isaac's substitute. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, which literally means the Lord will provide. Write that on everything in your home. Not physically. Put it on sticky notes or something. But make sure you know in your car, wherever you may be, because I know times are tough and it's getting tougher, but the Lord will provide. I know you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. The Lord will provide. I know you have struggles in your marriage. The Lord will provide. I know you have an unruly child. The Lord will provide. And I'm not trying to be a name and acclaim it because those people make me sick to my stomach, but it's the truth because God's Word tells me the Lord will provide. Amen? We have to believe that and start saying that over ourselves, over our families, over our homes. And in verses 16, 17, 18 of Genesis 22, it says, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. You want to be blessed? Obey the Lord. Again, that doesn't look like a new Ferrari in a house in the dominion. That looks like what's in your heart, you're being blessed, because guess what? The desires of your heart desiring Him. That's what true joy looks like. That's what a true blessing looks like, is that even when it's the hardest of the hardest time, you're looking to see how God's going to use you, how God's going to bless you, how God's going to move in your life. And we see also the true blessing of a humble but immediate submission to true obedience here in this story. God swears by Himself because there's nothing greater to swear by. Think about that just for a minute. God swears by His own self because there's nothing else out there better than that. When we start remembering that, guess what? Our bills will go down. Our time with our kids will go up. Our time at our jobs may not be as much because we're starting to put in priority the things that are actually priority in our lives, the things that will actually build the children that he calls us to but in galatians 3 16 it says now the promises were spoken to abraham and to his seed he does not say and to seeds he says to seed and as though referring to many but referring to one and to your seed who is jesus christ and if you jump down a little bit in galatians 3 to verses 26 and 29 it says for though faith or through faith you are all sons of god in christ jesus sons and heirs for those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female. Since you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. The seed of Abraham is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what Scripture tells us. The promises to Abraham are fulfilled in Christ. And if you are in Christ, those promises are yours as well. When is the last time you lived as an heir to the kingdom? You know the number one medication prescribed in this nation? Antidepressants. Not saying they're not needed. There are times that they are needed, right? I'm not saying that we don't need them. But it's an epidemic. And our children, if we're going to talk about fathers for just a minute, our children are finding them in your pill bottles, in your grandpa's pill bottles, in our nation's pill bottles, on our street corners, and all those things. And it's an epidemic that's out of control. 
Think about that. When's the last time you lived as an heir to the kingdom? Instead of walking around beat up, defeated. Instead of walking around like just in so much debt that you're contemplating suicide. Those things that are just ripping and ravishing, not just our nation, but our churches, guys. Amen? These are things that are just tearing us apart. We must remember, just as Abraham understood and knew, hey, I'm an heir to the king. So no matter what happens from this point forward, I know where I'm going. I know I'm in the right lineage. If she'll change the slide for us back in the back as we're coming close to a closing here. In John 1.29, I must have missed that one. In John 1.29, talking about the Lamb of God. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now let's jump back to Genesis 22 when he said that God will provide the Lamb. Amen? I want to make sure you understand where Scripture says in John 1.29, He is the Lamb. And not just the Lamb for all of us, but what does He do? Takes away the sin of the world. That's what it looks like to be an heir. That's what you're an heir to. Amen? And if you look in Revelations, it says where you're an heir to where you're going. Amen? And if you truly understood what heaven looked like and the picture of what it says in Revelations, maybe you would understand what it looks more like to be an heir of the throne of the kingdom right here on heaven and earth. Amen? Here is the Lamb of God that takes away all the sin. And so as we go into this time of an altar call this morning, fathers, what does that look like for you this morning? What does it look like when you see Abraham and you see Isaac? What does it look like to be an heir to the kingdom? What does it look like to serve the Lamb? And not just the Lamb, right? I don't want to make sure you don't focus on an animal, but the only one that took away the sins of the world. As we go into this time of an altar call, fathers, what does that look like for you? Wives, mothers, what does that look like for you? Children, what does that look like for you? Those that may be unsaved in this church that may be here this morning that have no idea what anything this old fat bald guy came down here two and a half hours to tell you this morning. What does it look like for you? Because you have a choice to make this morning, amen? Doesn't matter where you've been here five minutes, that you've been a Christian for five minutes or 60 years. Don't leave and don't choose to leave the same way you came in here today. Amen? You have an opportunity right now. Men, fathers, as I'm speaking to you this morning, if there's something that you have done, not doing, or would like to change, today's the day. Can you change not time the before? No, but you can change what happens today and going forward. Amen? You have an opportunity to change what happens from this day going forward. Don't be so prideful to say, well, that means I'd have to go to my child and say I'm sorry. Wow, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his. Well, that means I may have, I'm an adult. My children are 20, 30, 40 years old, Pastor. You don't understand what kind of pride I'd have to swallow. Well, my word says that pride goes before the fall. Amen? Women, that goes for you too. Mothers, that goes for you too. Right? Men, what does it look like to go to your wife and say, we're going to do this together from now on? Fathers, husbands, what does it look like to go to your wife and say, you know what, as my brother said, thank you for making me a father. When's the last time you told your Thank you for making me a father. Because it truly is one of the biggest blessings that you'll ever have. Amen? When's the last time you understood that blessing? Amen. When's the last time you realized that you were an heir? I'll close with that as we have this altar call this morning. David and I both will be up here. David, come on up. We'll be up here. If you want to pray with me, I'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to pray with somebody you feel more comfortable with, David, being here. 
Whatever you do, this altar is not ours. This doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to the church. This belongs to the Lord. Amen? Come up here and take a moment. If you just want to get alone with the Lord, do so. Don't leave here without. Because, yeah, you might be able to get with Him in your car, but what's going to happen between here and your car? Amen? You might be able to get with Him at your home, but what's going to happen between here and home? Forget to be the first thing that's going to happen. Not make it a priority to be the second thing that's going to happen. Use this time now. If you don't know the Lord, man, I would love to spend a few minutes and talk with you, counsel with you, share with you. This is not my day. This is His day, and we shall rejoice. Amen? So whatever time that looks like, we're here to do that for you. Amen? Amen. Let's rise. to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live I surrender all I surrender all All to Thee, my blessed Savior I surrender all All to Jesus I surrender humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender send you out just charged up and ready to go if i stepped on your toes today i'm not going to apologize for that because i pray that that was the conviction of the holy spirit doing that Uh, but just go and just love them hug your children let them know how much you care about them don't let this to, to continue to run you into bitterness don't let this continue to run you away from what your responsibilities and the actions that you need to take 
Run to them, Father, uh, fathers, just today. Just let them know how much you love them. Call them. I don't care where they are. Call them and tell them, hey, anything that's happened, I love you. Forgive me and move on. Amen. That's what we have to do. We have to humble ourselves. Guess what? The best man is a humble man. Amen. The best man is a serving man. And that's what I want to encourage you this morning to be. Amen. David. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock, and it will stand. There's no power on this earth that can stand against God's word. Build your house on the rock, and it will stand. Jesus spoke of a foolish man. Built his house upon the sand when the storms of life passed through his town. That old house came crashing down, but he also spoke of a wise man who built his house on the solid truth, deeply anchored in the rocky berm. And when the rains came, his house stood firm. Build your house on the rock, build your house on the rock build your house on the rock and it will stand there's no power on this earth that can stand against God's word build your house on the rock and it will stand doer of the word and you'll be blessed in your faith you can take your rest if you only choose to hear, you ain't never gonna go nowhere. But as for me, me and mine, we're gonna walk that narrow line. There'll be no deceiving, we'll be receiving God's best. Build your house on the rock, build your house on the rock, build your house on the rock and it will stand there's no power on this earth that can stand against god's word build your house on the rock and it will stand build your house on the rock build your house on that rock build your house on the rock and it will stand he will stand. There's no power on this earth that can stand against God's word. Build your house on the rock and it will stand. Sunday night church. There will be church tonight at 6 p.m. Sunday night church. Come and join us.
We're, we're doing Sunday Night Church on Father's Day? All right, we're doing it. Come spend your Father's Day evening with the Holy Father.